0: Yeah, welcome. There should be notes on your uh, seat there, just on the back side of it. The part on patience. Praise God. And if you turn to Proverbs chapter twenty-five, Proverbs chapter twenty-five and verse twenty-eight, we'll start there tonight. Proverbs twenty-five and verse twenty-eight. This is a fantastic scripture. It reads very differently though in different versions. Some of the versions miss the point altogether and it's quite sad because it's a a great scripture. Proverbs 25 and verse 28 says this, Like a city without walls is a man or woman who does not control their own spirit. Wonderful scripture. Like a city without walls is a person who does not control their own spirit. Let me explain what that means. So easy to read over it and not see it. In days of old, a, a, a city was protected by its walls. You were kept safe that way. It was actually a very effective way of being protected. But guess what? If there was a breach in the wall, you became very vulnerable. You were weak at all times because the devil could ac- or the enemy could actually enter through that breach anytime he wanted. And you could defend the rest of your wall, but as long as there was a weakness, That was it. You were actually permanently flawed. And here it's not talking about a city. It's talking about you. It's talking about us as believers. It's a good piece of advice. Like a city without walls. It's a person who doesn't have control over their own spirit. Even if there's one thing in you that can gain mastery over you, that's a weakness. That's actually a weakness you can't tolerate. You often, one of the most, the easiest ways to see this problem is in anger. Some people have a severe anger problem. They have outbursts of anger. And you know the telltale sign? Suddenly, they will be perfectly calm. Maybe husband and wife, perfectly calm, having a perfectly happy day. And something will trigger the man or the woman, whoever's got that temper, that anger problem. And suddenly, like a city without walls, they succumb to a weakness, you see. Do you know what that is? It's the gap in the wall. And it's the entry of a spirit. Right? A bad spirit. And that quickness is never good. It's never a good sign when you see a a believer suddenly change like that. It means there's an entry point in your life. As I say, it only takes one. It only takes one gap. And the point of this series is to close those gaps, to find out what weaknesses are in me. Listen, folks, let me tell you something. There's things in me, okay? Don't look at me like that. (laughs) There's things in me that I need to get out. There's issues, there's mindsets. I'm not happy at all with my speech. My speech just does not line up. I'm, I'm ashamed of myself in that regard. I've been catching myself far too often. Saying the wrong thing. Well, there you go. I want that out of my system. There will be things in you. And I advise you, you know, take it very seriously. And week by week as we look at the different things, if the cap fits, wear it. If it doesn't, put it aside. And remember the point and help others. If you happen to be free in that area, help others in that area. Tonight's topic and this morning's topic, personally, I think they're crucially important. Two big deals unforgiveness, and how it can destroy a life. And the second one tonight, patience. This is a big, big issue. Okay, and you'll see why by the end of this evening, I hope. I don't know if you would consider yourself an impatient person. I certainly had an issue with this. My dad was impatient nearly all his life. He died at 95, and it wasn't until he was about maybe 80 that he started to gain patience. True. (laughs) He was very impatient. Now, everybody's different. So different things make different people impatient. For some people, it's cues. Some people, it's technology. Some people, it's bad service in a restaurant or whatever. For some people, it's people. Some people are very impatient with people. But something rings your bell, right? Because patience is all pervasive. But ask yourself, just begin tonight. Ask yourself, am I impatient in any One of the things that really gets me is when I'm standing in the queue at Asda or Tesco's, you know, and I've got all my stuff, and I'm sorry, but it's normally a woman, and she's ahead of me, right? And she'll have her handbag, and she'll put all her stuff then, and she'll stand there. No money. She's not getting her money out. And she stands there while the, the, the cashier does everything through, and I'm thinking, you should be getting your money out. <laughs> you should. And then the cashier goes and says, that will be, you know, whatever, 75 pounds. And the woman goes... Okay, now you go. <laughs> Look, drives me nuts. Different things will affect all of us, right? And you see, patience is all pervasive. If I, I can't say I'm patient with Jeanette and then be impatient in the queue and call myself a patient man. Because a patient man would be patient everywhere, Right? It's an all-pervasive thing, and you can be easily fooled, right? On the top of your notes there, I've just begun tonight by making a list of what patience is not and what patience is, because I think it's a bit of a, a slippery fish. In the book of Hebrews, and every person here should know this one, in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 and uh, verse 9 to 15, it says, by faith and patience you will inherit the promises of God. Does anybody want to inherit the promises of God? Yes. How are you going to do it? And the most common things that people will say to you is by faith. And they will not mention the patience part. It is by faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. I don't know if you follow that series on Channel 4, the leaders where they invite you know, key leaders from around the world and, and business leaders and stuff. And they asked him how they achieved their success. And one guy once said this. Very good, very simple statement. He said, you know the, the difference between a successful businessman and an unsuccessful one? Most often, patience. <laughs> patience. Wasn't being clever. Just simple patience. He said, people give up. They back out too quick. And this is a, it's a major You know, obstacle potentially in our lives. It's also a hard one to define. Someone described patience like this. A calm response to stress. Okay. The will to wait without anger or frustration. Fine. David said, I waited patiently. Not just waiting. And just because we happen to be waiting on something doesn't have anything to do with patience, you know. Nothing whatsoever. You can wait very angrily. You can wait and be full of pride. You can be waiting on God and be full of pride. But David said that he had taught himself to wait patiently. And just to begin with, let's get some of the things that patience is not out of our system so that we can understand what patience is. Patience is not a natural trait. Now, Jeanette is extremely patient. Hallelujah. I need it incredibly patient, probably one of the most patient people I have ever met, long-suffering hugely. She's really got that peace. And it would be so easy for me to say, ah, oh, we're all different. She's patient. I'm not. That's life. Not so easy. Because do you know what? She wasn't born that way. When she was a baby and she wanted fed, do you know what she did? She didn't say, oh, you know, mommy and daddy are tired. I won't cry now. She cried like any other baby. And when she grew up, she threw tantrums. She did all the normal things. So what's the difference then? How come you're patient now and I'm not? Answer, some people, you learn patience. You see, it's a fruit, not a gift. Some people have learned that. They've taken it on board. They have been taught that looking at scriptures or by parents or whatever, and through the development of their character, they have you know, brought that fruit out. So you can't say it's a trait, because it isn't. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It isn't being indifferent or weak, and this is a very common misconception, something you see all the time. You see bad parenting, where a parent will not discipline their children or look after their children, and the parent will often excuse themselves, saying, oh, I'm being so patient. No, you're not. You're being weak. You're weak. That's not. You're not that you can't, you know, call that patient because it isn't. It doesn't get anything to do with it. Patience is not being indifferent or weak or avoiding adversity or trouble because there's lots of trouble in life. It is a fruit. It's a fruit of the spirit. It doesn't mean you will never be angry because there's a righteous anger. So you can get this idea. You see that a patient person is always calm will never disturb a fly. And that's not strictly true. There is a, a righteous anger that, for instance, Eli. Remember Eli with his two sons? Remember? Bad father. Bad father. It says Eli sat back on his chair, rocking while the boys went mad. Bad father. Of course, they ended up dying, didn't they? Terrible situation. He would have sat there and said, Oh, I'm being such a patient father. No, you're not, Eli. That's weak. There should have been a righteous indignation in him. He should have gone after those boys and corrected them. A patient person could have done that. It doesn't mean you'll always be calm. So that's what patience is not. What is patience? Well, patience is a a calm toleration of situations, circumstances, and life. Patience is the ability to let go, especially of immediate gratification. And patience is the acceptance of God's will. Can I ask you a question, right? Listen here. Is it okay if God says no to you? Everybody? Is there anybody that doesn't want God to say, okay, let me put it like this. You know that thing you are praying for? You know that thing you really, 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 really want? Is it okay if God says no on that one? patience is a calm acceptance of what god gives or what he doesn't give and can be hard wrought you know it's it's us who get destroyed in the process patience is an acceptance of the circumstances or the promises of god without giving him deadlines now i encounter people giving me deadlines all the time you know They say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give God till the 31st of the month. And if he doesn't act by then, I'm off, you know. All the time you get that. And I would be very cautious, guys, about setting God deadlines. Because most often, when people set deadlines, it didn't do Saul any good, did it? When Samuel didn't turn up, he lost his destiny. Because God wasn't quick enough. Setting deadlines. If he's not here, it's exactly what he did. If he's not here within these seven days, I'm going to go and do what I want. And the truth is that deadline setting can often mean exactly that. What people actually mean is, if if God doesn't move by the end of the month, I'm going to go and do what I want. That's what, you know, that's the the truth beneath that kind of thinking. You've got to be careful of it. It really is a hindrance, and you'll see this as we proceed, to your future, a lack of patience. If you you need patience for, for ministry in all the areas that you're involved in, it's a crucial element. A pastor rang me up one day. It was, it was a church, not the one I was personally pastoring, but it was one I was overseeing. He rang up and said, I need to meet you and I'm sending someone to get you and it was a, like a bit of a mystery tour, you know? This guy comes and picks me up. We go and pick up another elder, another. And we both, what's going on? Took me down, took me to a place, went in and I go in there and all the elders of the church, only a small church, only about a hundred people. And they said, thought, what's happening? I walked in, sat down and, Out they get, they have all the accounts of the church. (laughs) All the paperwork. I thought, what's happening? And he says, the pastor comes in, lovely man, Monica. He says, Pastor Mike, we're giving the church back to you. He was terrified. (laughs) Can't handle it. These people, we can't work with them. They're rebellious. They're cheeky. They don't follow our, our rules. We've tried this, we've tried that. We're giving it back to you. You take it. And rather than respond to them, I listened to the other elders. What do you have to say? And it was pretty much the same. We can't work with these people. And you? The same. And when they all finished, I got the church materials. I stood up and walked over to that pastor and put them right back in his lap. I said, you're not giving me any church. I don't receive it. I don't accept it you need to be patient you need to be patient with your people you need to work with them you need to love them you need to sacrifice in whatever way you need to you need to get on with the job we could all hand it in I don't have that privilege you've got what you've got and you need to learn to work with them so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna pretend that this meeting never happened and you guys stay here I'm leaving as far as I'm concerned You carry on. No deal. I went outside. I went, oh Lord, I wonder what's going to happen, you know. (laughs) The next week they turn up. Do you know Monica, who was that pastor? An absolutely lovely guy. He went on to triple the size of that church. Not only that, but he sent a team to another city and planted another church of 300. He was perfectly capable of leading that church. He just needed to be told so. He needed to be patient. That's what he needed. It's a slippery thing. See, patience doesn't live alone. It comes out of other traits, other attributes that you must cultivate within you. And when you have those, it's like a concert. When those attributes of God are working in, are, are working in you, you produce, like fruit, you produce patience. There's a great example of this in 1 Samuel. Take a look at it. 1 Samuel Chapter 26, 1 Samuel 26. (coughs) Excuse me. And I'll read from verse 7. So David and Abishai went to the army by night. And there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Abishai said to David, today God has given your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug. And this is just a fantastic story. You know, Saul was king. And David, he, sh- he should have stepped aside and let David become king. But he was too proud to do that. And here's David. Just imagine the situation he's in. The men are gathered round. Saul's asleep. He has the very moment. Just kill him. Just go in and do it. But David doesn't do it. He doesn't take the bait. He pauses. He waits. He knows better. He was extremely patient to Saul. He doesn't kill him. He stops the men from killing him. He cuts a corner off his robe. And he was even grieved that he did that to the king. Now, he was a bad king. But you need to learn something here about structure. Because the structure is whose God's own church structure. And you never go against it. But you need to see something about the patience that David exercised as well. You know a loaf of bread. A loaf of bread. We call it bread. But where does bread come from? Bread is made up of many things. Water, flour, yeast. Okay, and on and on. Many different ingredients go to produce bread and so it is with this slippery thing patience let's say this is patience but you see David didn't kill Saul because David had he believed by faith and patience David's faith produced patience he didn't only have faith that wasn't the only ingredient David loved the Lord and indeed loved Saul so a mixture of his faith And his love and his wisdom to know that there was a way out of this situation. And his courage because the men were demanding that he kill him. All these things mixed together to actually produce patience in David. You you see, patience doesn't live alone. It's not an isolated thing. But is created within us as we put into practice these different attributes of God. Amen? Can you see that? And just the last part of your notes there is crucial. Reasons why this is essential. Patience is essential, as I said earlier. It's essential for obedience to God. We cannot fulfill the plan of God. Has God given you a promise? I hope He has. If if you haven't got one, seek it. Seek His vision for your life. How are you going to fulfill that promise? By faith. Amen. But by faith and patience. Hebrews, by faith and patience, we appropriate the promises of God. You you need that. Whatever your calling in life is, whatever it might be, in any area or department, you still need to pursue it with faith. And forgive me, I've told about 10% of you this before, but what's precious in your heart, guys? What do you dream about? What's your dream or your vision in life? Very difficult to achieve these sometimes. Very difficult to get to them, especially if you don't know Maybe even the basic principles of how to perceive and work with God. How to proceed and work with God. Five years ago, six years ago, I came to this church for the first time. For a four-month sabbatical because the pastor was on holiday. I fell in love with this place. Absolutely head over heels, smitten. And I believed with all my heart, almost like a promise that God would one day move us to Glasgow. But I've got a full-time job. <laughs> I'm working in a church in Dublin. I've got an overseer, not a soul, thank God, but I've got an overseer and I've got a, I'm in a structure and I've got a promise. Um, how do you achieve the promises of God? How do you pursue them? Well, I'll tell you how I did it anyway. I went back to Dublin, went back to my job, went back to the structure. And I said to my boss there, Pastor Rick Seward, I said, I was in Glasgow. I know. It was good. (laughs) I know. I said, you know, Pastor Rick, I honestly believe that, you know, God has called me to that place. And he gave me a very quick response. Get on with your work. Just get on with your work. And we were involved in a huge project at that time. I said, okay. But I meant it. And I turned and I talked to God. I said, God, you know what? I will not only get on with my work. I will do the best job ever. And I will die doing this job rather than break your structure. There's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. You don't have to break God's principles to achieve God's goals. And if you will just be patient and have faith and trust and have the courage to stand back and not just go with it, you will see God work as David did when he became king. Okay? By faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. So, I keep my mouth shut, crucial. Bite your tongue. Shut up. Do your job. And I work away in Dublin for about a year and a half. And nothing's happened. I don't say a word, don't mention anything. And we're traveling in America, traveling through Los Angeles, actually. And it's the first time that Glasgow has come up. And just myself and Pastor Rick were driving down a freeway. And he turns and out of the blue, out of nowhere, he says, Oh, yeah, the guy we're going to see right now is the guy I'm giving the church in Glasgow to. What? You know, if I had the break, I would have gone, What? And then his phone rang and we couldn't continue the conversation. We ended up at this church. You know, it was a big church with 2,000 people. And we had a meeting with a pastor. And the meeting was over. And I'm not listening to any. I'm just sitting, Is this the guy? You know, I tell you, my flesh was rising in me that day. I sat there, I didn't say nothing, let the meeting finish. Well, I did, actually. When everything was over, I chose my moment. And I turned to the pastor at the right moment and I said, So, you love Glasgow then, do you? And it was such a telling question. <laughs> it was like a father with a daughter, you know, with a prospective bridegroom saying, So, you love my daughter, do you? And he could not hide. From the intensity of that question. He couldn't answer it. He fell apart, actually. So you love Glasgow, do you? And he answered honestly. As some people do when they're caught off guard. He um, uh, uh, no, I would go to Glasgow. I would like to do that, but I certainly wouldn't like to stay there. I thought, praise God, that's the answer I was waiting for. <laughs> and we got outside and Pastor Rick was livid with me. Furious with me. Slammed the door, got in, started the engine, and he said, He's not the guy. I, said, I don't know. <laughs> and off we go. So, you, where would we go? We go back to Dublin, get on with your work. And it was two years of keeping your mouth shut and obeying God's structure. You're being tested, you're being put through the mill to see if you've got any faith. To see if you believe the word that was spoken to you. To see if you will honor the structure. And listen carefully. Even write it down. Do you know something, friends? The bigger the trust, the longer the wait. And the more the testing will be. The greater the the thing that God is offering to you, the greater the wait is going to be. And in that waiting, you are tested. And if you do not pass the test, you are out. Like thousands before you. You need faith, amen, absolutely. But it is not the only thing for inheriting the promises of God. Now let me tell you something, friends. I messed up many times with God. God would offer me something and I would run at it like Moses and kill the Egyptian. And then God would offer me something else and I would mess that up. And then God would offer me something else and I'd mess that up. But when I came here, For the first time in my life, I said to myself, you know what? I am not going to mess this one up. And now I know what the structure is. I know that I must obey human beings. I must obey my pastors. And then God will see me through. Amen? And there's an awful lot of people out there, I tell you, who who don't see that, don't understand it, and spend a life, Missing that, you know, the goal of God for them by faith and patience, it's absolutely true. You will inherit the promises of God. So that's the first point why patience is important. It's important for obedience to God. Secondly, it's important for relationships. We all want to have love in our lives. Amen? You want to be loved, you want to love someone. You can't do it without patience. One Corinthians chapter thirteen: Love is patient. It's one of those ingredients. So if we don't have love, we will not have healthy, wholesome. If we don't have patience, we will not have healthy, wholesome love in any relationship that we're in. It gains the respect of others. It's a it's a great form of protection because it holds you back from running ahead of God and getting yourself in trouble. You will certainly see the value of God's timing through it. In point six and seven, it, it, it will settle disputes if you just hold your tongue, bide your time, and the grace that will come from you in your family, in your workplace, will just settle peace because there's patience in you. And of course, it's important in prayer, to say the very least. It creates stability. Instead of a fickle life that's jumping about from one thing to another... A patient heart in you will create a stable, consistent life in you. It will enable you to endure suffering. If suffering comes your way, you will be able to go through that because you've developed this. Develop these traits in peacetime, friends, because you'll need them in war. Cultivate them in good days, and then you're ready for the battle. And, of course, it allows you to see God work. The conclusion tonight is exactly the same as a conclusion this morning. Can I have the worship team, please? I have my last slide there? The conclusion this morning, if you remember, is to forgive yourself and to forgive God and to forgive others. And the conclusion tonight is exactly the same thing. I want you to be patient with yourself, patient with God. Do you know that T-shirt that says, God isn't finished with me yet. Have you ever seen one of those? Yeah. I want to get one of those and on the back of it I'm going to print. He hasn't even started with me yet actually. God is not finished with you yet. You're a work in progress every day of your life and you need to be patient with who? With yourself. Give yourself a break if you like. Give yourself a day off. Receive the grace of God. Bask in His love a moment. Relax a moment. Learn to be patient with yourself. Learn to be patient with God. He knows better than you. He knows how to achieve those goals, right? And lastly, if we do number one and number two, we will be patient with other people. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and pray those things in. Lord, I thank you that you are the greatest of all examples in this area. You are incredibly patient. With us. I think it was John Wesley who said, If I was God, I would have damned everybody to hell a long time ago. And God, that could be true. We could all say that. Because we are impatient and we ask your forgiveness. And God, tonight we become patient. We receive that in us. We let it loose with ourselves and we receive your grace. And Lord, we help us to be patient with you in the outworking of any promise that you've given us, any plan that we see, help us be patient with you. And lastly, God, help us to love one another by being patient in all circumstances, in all situations with each other. ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's program. I trust you have been blessed and edified by what you've heard. I want to ask you to do something, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. By doing so, you can help us to take these essential messages out to many other nations, many other people around the world. You can become a partner by visiting our website, preparingtheway.tv, and there you will find many ways that you can join up. Folks, it is a pleasure and an honor to partner with you in bringing in the end times harvest. God bless you, and once again, thank you for listening.